and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna. And my name is Ellen. And in today's episode, we are discussing Book 5, Chapter 10, The Black Gate Opens, discussing grief in community. All right, Anna, in this chapter, we get a new character, and he is only called the Mouth of Sauron. Mm -hmm. Any guesses on what his original name is? Because the text tells us that literally everybody has forgotten it. Mm, Balthazar. Balthazar. (laughs) Just like right off the top of my head. (laughs) I love it. That's so good. Thank you. (laughs) I was thinking... um, Herbert. Sure. Or Harold. Yes. For some reason, like both of those, I was really, I was really feeling the H. And then I was thinking of the, the prince in um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Mm. Herbert. Herbert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's not dead. I think he's making a recovery. (laughs) That's amazing and yeah. i feel like there'd be a little bit of willful forgetting if it were truly ebert ebert <laughs> or balthazar right. yes strong name but not not perhaps everyone's favorite right it's a, it's an acquired taste balthazar is old balthy so we meet a new character very exciting i'm excited to tell you about what happens in the story but before we can get to that we need to hear about your story Mm -hmm. do you have a story for us today i do and it's gonna be an abrupt change in tone from our intro Uh so that's right i mean our theme is grief yes (laughs) so just uh just a conversation that's gonna sound a little bit different but as i was thinking about today's chapter and i was thinking about grief I was thinking about maybe the first time I really experienced a very palpable and kind of overwhelming grief. And so this happened when I was in the seventh grade, at least that I can recall and document, um, because I have <laughs> removed a lot of my like childhood memories from our parents' place. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, was sifting through some old yearbooks and some old diaries, and they are both humbling but also helpful for the purposes of, of today. In the seventh grade, I had a science teacher, and we also had something called advisory, or kind of like a homeroom. So it was a shorter period where you'd like hang out um, every day, um, as opposed to like every other day, our schedules tended to to vary. So my science teacher was also my advisory teacher. And she was just this like young, vivacious, very fun, very approachable um, teacher. She seemed like such a cool adult to me now, but I think she was only in her maybe mid-20s. And she also had recently gotten married. So she, we did that thing where, like, in the middle of the school year, your teacher's name changes. Mm-hmm. Jarring. Yes, it was, a, it was a learning curve for all of us. But she, we took it in stride. She was so fun. I loved her. And then, like, maybe towards the end of the school year, she died very tragically in a motorcycle accident. Both her and her new husband. And it was a loss that I was absolutely unprepared for. She was someone that I knew and saw, like, kind of all the time. 
And also she was young. So it was not a, you know, grandparents death or a great grandparents death. And it was, you know, kind of a a violent um, way for her to pass too. So it just felt very abrupt. And of course, I'm in seventh grade, so at that point, I'm like maybe 13, and you're just kind of a big jumble of big feelings and emotions anyway. Um, And so this felt, I felt unmoored in this moment. It was a lot. I remember getting the news at school, and I I don't remember how they told us, but I remember just like weeping in a way that you didn't do in middle school because that made you like a target, right? Um, You're trying to be cool and try and fit in with everybody else and crying in public definitely doesn't allow you to do that. And I remember just like hugging dad in the parking lot because he had to come pick us up and just like sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. We ultimately decide, some of my friends and I, that we're going to go to the visitation. And so we went and it was the first time too that I think I'd been to this kind of visitation again like her parents were there a lot of students were there one of our friends moms drove me so we're there kind of with an adult and some of my friends and I was so emotional I was not prepared just like crying so hard and um, felt really overwhelmed in this space and I remember very specifically my friend's mom telling me that I was being too loud in the church what and I think there was a reason for that I think I was like audibly processing the way that um, my teacher had died which again was tragic and awful Um, and I was kind of repeating some of the like facts about like what we knew about her death and I'm sure that would have been like traumatizing for her parents to hear at the volume that I was processing it. But in that moment, I just remember feeling very like, oh my God, I've done something wrong. And then the rest of the day, I was trying to like both grieve, but also grieve in the right way. And I felt very without uh, without an example about how to do that. Like none of my friends seemed to be quite in a state in the way that I was. Um, and so I like could not, I could not process my grief in a way that felt like reasonable to me. So I have at least one of my <laughs> diary entries from that time. And so this is from literally from that time, quote, actually, I've been kind of depressed lately between my teacher's death. I cried forever, especially at the visitation. So and I just, I, there was a lot of other stuff that was going on at that time, but I just remember feeling like this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And it seemed like it took me so much longer than it took all of my friends to actually get to a point where I could like talk about it in a normal way or feel like I wasn't such a weirdo for, <laughs> for having these, these really big feelings and having that a little bit validated by this, this parent who was like, you're doing this wrong. You're too loud about it. Oh my God. I mean, I know like being a parent is hard. But that's like a very unhelpful way to be a parent. Boo to that person. It was not great. Um, and and we'll come back to that for action items when we think about like how to process grief and, and what to do about that. But I'll say at, at the top because sometimes we need to hear it more than once. There really isn't a wrong way to grieve as long as you're not harming yourself or others. So... If you're grieving something, just, like, give yourself space. And if someone's grieving around you, make sure you also give them space. Space. Jesus. 
I remember that so distinctly, and I'm sure she didn't think anything of it. <laughs> like, That's crazy. I did not know <sighs> that any of this had happened. I don't know where I was. Well, I like that you've brought to us different ways of grieving because mm-hmm. I do think people can have the wrong idea that there is is a right and wrong way to process big emotions. And as you said, there isn't. Mm-hmm. And we may have people in our lives, much like I did, that are reinforcing that idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not helpful. Not helpful. We're here today at In Fellowship to help us unlearn mm-hmm. <laughs> that very, uh, very unhelpful reminder. Yeah. So that's my story. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about action items, as we always do at the end of the episode. But before we can do that, Ellen, what even happened in today's chapter? Today's chapter was like a full week in one chapter. Mm-hmm. So a lot happened. It starts with all of our friends going off to Mordor, except for Mary, who gets left behind because he's injured and he's sad about it. So as they march, all of the friends, to Mordor, they are periodically announcing themselves. They brought some trumpets, some heralds, and they're saying like, ha ha, here we come, the king, the lords of Gondor. They make it to the king statue. And as we remember, we saw Frodo and Sam pass just this way um, with Gollum, you know, in the, in the last book. They leave a guard at that statue at these crossroads and continue to press on. It's dreary, it's dark, it's lifeless, it's foreboding, it's not a pleasant walk. The days are passing. At the end of the second day, there is a battle, which they easily win. A couple of orcs come out and they're like, nope, we got you. On their sixth day from Minas Tirith, it is so desolate and so horrible that a lot of the men want to desert the company. Aragorn shows them mercy. He feels bad for them for, for coming. And he says, how about you go try to take care Andros? And some are so ashamed by how nice Aragorn is that they stay. And then the others who are like, no, this really is too much. They, they go and they go try to retake this other, this other place. The company is now twice reduced. So we've left people at the crossroads and now we've, people have left the company again here. So in their smaller force, they at last make it to the wall and the big gate. And this is where Herbert, Balthazar, Mouth of Sauron comes on out on a horse thing and declares that he's the Mouth of Sauron and he's going to treaty with them. He shows them the mithril coat from Frodo and Sam's sword. And he says that he has their spy captured. Aragorn gives him a really dirty look and potentially, like, reads his mind a little bit. And then Gandalf snatches the Hobbit's items and says that we do not accept the terms that Sauron has put forth. We will not surrender and we're going to fight and you're going to lose and it's going to be great. The battle ensues. Pippin kills a troll, but it falls onto him and he sort of starts to pass out as he fades from consciousness. He hears someone call... The eagles are coming. The eagles are coming. And he's like, oh, that already happened. That's Bilbo's story. And that's the end. (laughs) So as I read this, I got to the mouth of Sauron. Mm -hmm. 
And I had a very visceral reaction to someone qualifying themselves as the mouth of Sauron. And my brain, without without breaking a beat, just said, that's embarrassing for you. It is embarrassing. <laughs> it is embarrassing. Like, it has big, uh, like, bully energy. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, I'm so big. It's so tough. And you're like, this is not a good look for a grown person. No. What are you doing? <laughs> and if Sauron is really only the eye at this point, so he's got an eye. Right. He's got a mouth. Right. There are nose of Sauron. We have Sauron's ears. That's probably the Nazgul, you know, flying around listening to things. The sinuses of Sauron. The sinuses. <laughs> The eyebrow that, like, quirks and looks right. disdainfully. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot. He he only needs an ear, nose, and throat guy for his checkups. <laughs> Go to his allergist. Yeah. Uh, I feel ya. I was not impressed. I was not impressed yeah. with him. It was also so funny when um, Aragorn, like, just looks at him and they, they sort of rustle eyes. He's like, Ma, don't hurt me. You promised. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man the drama here and you know if you're reading this for the first time it, where we are in the story you don't know if they have Frodo and Sam but it's mm-hmm. telling that he brings out the mithril coat and the sword and says they have the spy captured not the spies just one mm-hmm. right and they, he doesn't bring out the ring right so we'll just leave it at that Right. So that's what happened. Uh, But Mm -hmm. where did you see examples in this chapter? I saw a couple. Um, I saw a couple examples of, I think, grief, actually, and then some examples that I think were a good metaphor for grief. Mm -hmm. So starting on my page 196, which is the second page in the chapter, Mary is staying in Minas Tirith, and he's watching the company march off to the east, And that reads, quote, Everyone that he cared for had gone away into that gloom that hung over the distant eastern sky, and little hope at all was left in his heart that he would ever see any of them again. And it really feels to me that Mary is grieving the loss of his friends, both from the fact that they're separated again, but also a bit prematurely, but who wouldn't at this point, that he's not going to see them again and so that this is his like this is like his first foray into the grieving process anticipating that none mm-hmm. will return yeah i feel so bad for him mm-hmm. aragorn i think it's either aragorn or gandalf who is like you know don't don't begrudge pippin that he gets to go out and get his own glory and by the way if we all die don't worry they're gonna come here anyway and then you can too right <laughs> i mean it's just it's a it's sad and I, I kind of like that next sentence, too. Like, as if recalled by his mood of despair, the pain in his arm returned. So again, from having stabbed uh, the Wraith King. Mm-hmm. And he felt weak and old and the sunlight seemed thin. And to me, that's just such a... That to me feels like a part of grief where, like, physically you're just so exhausted for that feeling that you do feel older and thinner and and a little, you know... A little in despair. Mm-hmm. Gray. Yes. Like, not enough butter spread over too much bread. Mm-hmm. Then my next example I thought was maybe more of a, a metaphor for grief. So on my page 199, the Nazgul are kind of flying overhead. They can't be seen really by anybody but Legolas. 
but, quote, and yet their presence could be felt as a deepening of shadow and a dimming of the sun. And though the ringwraiths did not yet stoop low upon their foes and were silent, uttering no cry, the dread of them could not be shaken off. Oh. And I thought that was kind of a good metaphor for how grief kind of is carried around with you, that you can you can feel it, it's a heavy presence, but it might not be discernible to anybody else just to look at you. Yeah, I I really felt this this part and how I think it says that nobody can see them except for Legolas. Mm-hmm. And I felt bad for him that he's he's I don't know if he's like pointing them out to people or if he's just pretending also that he can't see it. But it felt very mm-hmm. lonely that he was the only one who could see this circling presence above them. Right. Then my next example was on page 203 my page 203 and this is pretty pretty directly grief right um the company is presented with sam and frodo's things as you name in your recap quote a blackness came before their eyes and it seemed to them in a moment of silence that the world stood still but their hearts were dead and their last hope gone pippin who stood behind prince imrahil sprang forward with a cry of grief and then Gandalf silences him. So I felt very... <laughs> I saw Pippin in this yeah. moment of, like, he's just been presented this horrific, you know, version of reality that we have nothing to, to counter. And he's he's grieving in a very audible way. And it's it's not fitting with the, stra- the overall strategy, I'm sure, that Gandalf has for this moment. Um, but that the company itself is just feeling so... They're just hurting in their hearts to, to know that something has befallen their friends at least enough where they're, they've been separated from these items of value. Do you think Gandalf knows what's happened truly? Or he guesses maybe? Because it's just the, mm-hmm. the way that he reacts in shushing Pippin and then mm-hmm. saying like, yeah, whatever, you can, keep, you can keep the spy that you've caught. We're going to fight. Like, I wonder if he actually thinks he is abandoning one of the hobbits to that fate, or if he's pretty sure, based on the fact that that Sauron doesn't have the ring, that there's still hope that one, if not Mm -hmm. both of them, are are out and about. I don't know. I mean, Gandalf seems to have a lot of additional knowledge, and so it's hard for me to think in this moment that he hasn't played out a couple of different scenarios and is making a calculated decision. Mm -hmm. Now, whether that's based in the tiny iota of possibility that one or both hobbits is free, and so he's going to operate under the existing plan just in case, Mm -hmm. or if it's because he suspects that that's the most likely situation, given that the whole world hasn't fallen to Sauron because he's reclaimed the ring. Right. I don't know. But he does seem to operate pretty assuredly in this space in a way that I, I don't think anybody else would have been capable of. Okay, that was just, I was, I just wanted to know what you thought about that. Yeah, and then on my, uh, on my page 205, Gandalf, as we named, reclaims the items and says, quote, these will we will take in memory of our friend, he cried, but as for your terms, we reject them utterly. 
And I like that idea of having a token of something from a person Mm -hmm. as kind of memorializing them and to, you know, maybe build into like a grief ritual as a way to as a way to remember them. Yeah, like a like an altar. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So those were my examples. Uh, It was kind of a downer of an chapter. We chose downer of a theme. (laughs) It's a real bummer of a theme Mm -hmm. to wrap up our (laughs) book five with. Um, Any examples that you thought were um, pertinent for our our theme today? No, I think you you captured all of the ones that I had sort of loosely underlined while I was doing my read through. Um, Mm -hmm. Most notable is the the grief that the company has when they see in their mind proof that Frodo mm-hmm. and Sam have been taken. Absolutely. But we'll have to keep reading to find out what happens next. Bum, 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 bum. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> okay. So with that said, should we dive into some talking with Tolkien? TWT? TWT, yes let's. Okay. I only I only have one. For, okay. for this this chapter. Mm-hmm. It's on page 174 with our friend, the messenger of Mordor. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Um, quote, his face was twisted with amazement and anger to the likeness of some wild beast that, as it crouches on its prey, is smitten on the muzzle with a stinging rod. <laughs> <laughs> I had a vision of like, Gandalf rolling up a newspaper and just like swatting mm-hmm. him on the nose and saying, "No, this is this is mine, and I'm gonna take mm-hmm. it." Ha 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 ha. <laughs> um, and that that part made me laugh. I was in a good mood when I was reading these two chapters. All all of the funny bits I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to pull out. Yes, and I think Gandalf continues to be hilariously sassy Mm -hmm. in moments where it it does seem to indicate that either he is operating with knowledge yet unknown by the rest of the company or there's something special about the way that he just like processes information because he never loses an opportunity to put someone in their place to check them and i really appreciate that this that is so true that was it that was my only one Perfect, because mine is also from Gandalf, and it's also him being a little bit sassy. Good. I just, I like this quote. So on my page 205, quote, And if indeed we rated this prisoner so high, what surety have we that Sauron, the base master of treachery, will keep his part? And I was like, oh, okay, we're slinging out names now. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they love a nickname here. They love mm-hmm. a, an additional proper noun, and that's a good one. That's, it's a really good one. And that was my talking with Tolkien. <laughs> There's not much to sift through for this one as far as inspiring, uplifting. I mean, the most memorable quote for me is probably the eagles are coming. And I mm-hmm. like that it's, that's how it ends. It's a nice, it's a nice cliffhanger to, to wrap mm-hmm. this book up on. Which we we have finished. Right. We're moving on to the last segment, the last section, book six in The Return of the King. Which is pretty wild. We think it's crazy. It is. It is crazy. Well, thank you for sharing your talking with Tolkien. Mm -hmm. Would you like to now share your action item? 
for this chapter. I would. I would. And I am not by any means a licensed counselor or therapist. And so I thought to myself that I should engage an expert mm. in how to grieve, like, healthfully. Because I can't, it, it is such a big moment and big space to try and occupy that I really wanted to think about how to how to do it in a way that seems helpful and healthful. Mm-hmm. So I googled, <laughs> I internet searched how to grieve healthfully, basically. What is a healthy grieving process? Um, and I found this article that I really appreciated. So it's from a counseling center from the University of Washington entitled Healthy Grieving. There's a a bit here that I want to read, and it says, What is grief? Grief is a normal and natural response to loss. Though we often expect to grieve the death of a family member or friend, many other significant losses can also trigger grief, including like the end of a relationship, the move to a new community, the death of a pet, someone we love contracting a potentially life-threatening illness. And grieving such losses is important because it allows us to free up energy that is bound to the lost person, object, or experience, so that we might reinvest that energy elsewhere. Until we grieve effectively, we are likely to find reinvesting difficult. A part of us remains tied to the past. Grieving is not forgetting. Healthy grieving results in an ability to remember the importance of our loss but with a newfound sense of peace rather than searing pain. And I'm a particularly um, uncomfortable person when dealing with grief. I I find myself a little bit lost. And so I found this framing to be really helpful, that it's Mm -hmm. kind of a redirection of energy. And that felt less scary than kind of the bottomless, just like tearful experience that I typically associate with grief. So here I found a recommendation about healthy grieving as an active process. And so those are going to be my action items for us to kind of think about. Mm -hmm. Healthy grieving is an active process. And one way of understanding the work to be done is to think of grieving as a series of tasks we need to complete. One is to accept the finality of the loss. Two, to acknowledge and express the full range of feelings we experience as a result of the loss. Three, to adjust to a life in which the lost person, object, or experience is absent. And four, to say goodbye, to ritualize our movement to a new peace with loss. And there are a lot of um, really helpful tips and tricks in here. But generally, I think it's the ones that are meaningful to me is to go gently through the process and to accept help through the process, often in community. And so my only recommendation, and based on my story today, is to be thoughtful in who you bring into your grief work, or if you are being brought into grief work, to be really thoughtful about how you participate. But know that it's absolutely normal for you to feel how you're feeling, that the process isn't linear, there isn't a right way to do it, um, and that there are lots of lots of resources that can help you move through this work in a way that feels perhaps less overwhelming. And I'll link to the article um, for our chapter today. Yeah, I wanna I wanna go dive in. I, I'm a visual person as as well as auditory with my learning, and I wanna go read this for myself. Mm-hmm. 
I love the ritualization, of course, that you talk to at the end of like finding a ritual there. Mm-hmm. I get so sad every time we move and it's actually become a little bit comical, even though I'm like excited about the new place that mm-hmm. I'm moving to. I get so sad and then you are moving and it's stressful and then I'm just sad and stressed. And mm-hmm. so the ritual that has come to work for me is like standing quietly in the apartment that I probably didn't even like that much, but I'm really sad to say goodbye to and like touching the wall and saying thank you. Like, thank you for the apartment. Thank you for having housed us for the last, you know, X number of years and then moving on. Mm-hmm. That's that's the one part that I can I need. It's it's truly a little ridiculous how sad I get when we move, but... No, but I think if we come back to our tasks, right, for grief work, mm-hmm. that allows you to accept the finality, right? Mm-hmm. You are acknowledging and expressing a full range of feelings associated with this loss. It allows you to adjust and move forward uh, in, you know, without this apartment or without this space and to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. So I think... Even though that's how you feel about the move and that might not be relatable to other folks, you know, it's still a part of how you feel. And so you've ritualized that experience in a way that allows you to move forward, literally. Literally. And I think that's, <laughs> and I think that's a really nice example. Yeah, thank you. Oh, I'm so glad you don't have to move for, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, moving is the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> We can find ways to to move move through and grow grow through our life changes, right, right, and that you know, even if it doesn't make sense to someone else, it's very or real yourself, to you. even if it doesn't really like logically make sense to yourself, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just feel the logic, feelings. <laughs> yes, logic and emotions are two very separate things, mm-hmm. and so you can both logically be aware that what you're doing seems a bit silly and also have really big emotions about it, and yeah. that is totally okay. <laughs> Ugh, thanks for thanks for the reminder on that one. You are most welcome. And like I said, we'll link to this so that other folks, if you're interested um, or if you're looking to be helpful to someone or to yourself, can have access to these resources. Today's podcast was brought to you by Mouth of Sauron Mouthwash, the bold flavor of pure, unadulterated evil with some memory loss side effects. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. Oh my god, sorry, I just had the biggest stretch. (laughs) Why are you breathing so hard? (laughs) Okay, I pulled it together.